When we're going to Deuteronomy chapter 6, it's usually verse 4. I, will, I know it's church, but I do have a pop quiz. Right? There, there's a scripture on the wall right behind me. How many knows where that's found? We're at in Ephesians. What verse? Who wants to validate that? We stare at the scripture every single service. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Who wants to continue that verse? Or the next verse? One God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. Where is that found? Anybody have found it yet? Shout it out. Ephesians 4 and 6. Amen. 5 and 6? Okay. Ephesians 4 and 5. All right. We're, we're abundant life center here. This is the scripture on our wall. Ephesians 4 and 5. I thought the thing in a while ago. You know, we probably should put the reference center so we would never forget it. But hopefully, the next time we come together, you see that scripture, you remember it, Ephesians 4 and 5. Ephesians 4 and 5. Amen. Hero, uh, hero that, that's Deuteronomy 6, 4. Ephesians 4 and 5, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all is above all and through all and in you all. And there's a, there's a whole lot there. Where's that found right here, right behind me? Ephesians where? Ephesians 4 and 5. Amen. We're going to get that. Ephesians 4 and 5. and um, Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse number 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And then I have one more passage of scripture. Amen. That's found in 1 Timothy. And tonight will be more of a Bible study night, but we'll see what the Lord has for us. 1 Timothy chapter 3. And verse number 16. If your Bible doesn't have this verse, that's either a compliment that you've been reading a lot and you've lost a page. Or it's uh, something that's going to come against you. You've ripped it out. But the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and 16, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. And for a few moments tonight, we'll uh, talk, preach, teach about the mighty God in Christ. Amen. I am not, here's my disclaimer, I am not an expert, I am not a theologian, amen, I am just simply someone who is studying the scriptures, and I know what I believe, and we're going to go through the word of the Lord, but uh, from the onset of this lesson or message tonight, in myriad ways and from every conceivable angle, the fact that Jesus of Nazareth was God manifest in the flesh has been attacked. The reason being, if the deity of Christ can be undermined, then the whole of Christianity as being the path to redemption collapses. 
Amen. There is a reason why in a Pentecostal apostolic church, we make a big deal about the mighty God in Christ. There is a reason why we make a big deal about Jesus is God. And it's all in him because that is where the path to redemption lies in Jesus Christ. Um, Otherwise, the whole of Christianity uh, as being the path to redemption collapses. We're not just any other religion in the fact that we follow a great teacher. We're not any other religion uh, like there are many that they follow the sayings of uh, a particular enlightened one. But we as Christians, uh, as apostolics, we believe that the God, that, that the person that we serve God is Jesus. Jesus is God. The one that we're following is God. He's not some uh, he, he's not some uh, subordinate of God, but he is God. Jesus is God. We're not just following the beliefs of some individual that walked the face of the earth some hundred years ago or thousand years ago. But we're following one who we believe is God. Amen. There has been those uh, that. They subscribe to the uh, philosophy, the ideology, the religion of Islam uh, and Muhammad is the prophet um, and and all of these different things. But we believe that the one that we're following, Jesus, he actually is God and we make no mistake about it. The primary interest of Christianity is not so much its social benefits of which we enjoy Amen. So much around here, but it's capacity for man's redemption and reconciliation to a holy God. Amen. That is the crux. That is the reason. Amen. Why we preach and why we teach from the word of God is because at the end of the day, we are basing our lives. Amen. We are basing our fortunes, our treasures, our family's future, everything that we have on the fact that Jesus is God. And if he's not God, then there's There's no way to be saved. Amen. We must have, amen, we must have our understanding correct. And we must realize, amen, that redemption and reconciliation happens only through Jesus Christ. Amen. He is the reconciler. Jesus is the reconciler or the representative of both sides. Amen. Uh, There's a scripture that talks about. Uh, reconciling the world unto himself, referring to Jesus Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. Amen. A reconciler is a representative of both sides. He's the God man, as we know. He is Jesus the Christ. And the only way we can talk about him as being the reconciler, uh, representative of both sides, amen, is because, amen, he is all God and he's all man. Amen. It's all in him, as the scripture says, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Amen. It's all in Jesus Christ today. Amen. And I want to talk, amen, for a few moments on the mighty God in Christ. John chapter 8 and verse number 58. And as we go through many of these scriptures, I would encourage you, amen, to have your Bible. And if you can flip there quickly, if you have a highlight or a pen. Amen. If you are a student of the word of God, amen, there ought to be a pen and a highlighter in your Bible. Amen. Where you can mark up that that book and you can begin to take some highlights. Amen. That's what it means to be a student of the word. Amen. Always looking. What can I learn? What can I obtain? John chapter eight 
and verse number 58, Jesus, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus said this very words, before Abraham was, I am. I want to tell you today that Jesus is God. He's the God of the Old Testament revealed in the New. And as God, he was not, amen, Jesus, he's not a lower ranking God. Amen. He's not a separate, distinct God from the Father. He's not a person distinct from the Father like humans are separate persons from one another. Amen. But he is the visible representation of God. Amen. That's why Jesus could say before Abraham was, I am. Amen. I would tell you today that Jesus of the New Testament is Jehovah of the Old Testament. Hallelujah. For the name of Jesus in its literal meaning is Jehovah has become our salvation. Jehovah has become our salvation. That is what the name of Jesus means in its literal definition, in its literal form. Jehovah has become our salvation. Amen. God enrolled himself in the flesh. Amen. Took upon him the form of a servant. Amen. And that is Jesus that we know. Amen. From the scriptures. When Jesus died on the cross, the only part of Jehovah that was mutable died. His humanity. Amen. For Acts chapter 20 and verse 28 refers to the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Amen. The humanity, the human side of Jesus died on the cross. Amen. But God never did die. Amen. It was the humanity. Amen. The the human side of God. Amen. We uh, I remember as a young person. Amen. Reading the scripture. From Matthew chapter 28 and 19 and thinking how am I ever going to explain the oneness of God to my classmates or to people in college when they always go, they always go to prove that there's three gods to Matthew 28 and 19. And Matthew 28, 19 is not a Trinitarian verse. It's an apostolic verse. Amen. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. That's found in the book of what? Matthew. Matthew 28, 19. Don't forget what book that's in. That's in the book of Matthew. Now I want to point, direct your attention to the book of Acts chapter 1. In verse 13, Acts chapter 1, verse number 13 is, if you please, a roll call. It's a roll call for those that were in the upper room there on the day of Pentecost when Acts 2 and 38 was presented. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 13. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas. Bartholomew and who? Matthew. Matthew. The same writer of Matthew chapter 28, 19. The same writer. He's sitting there. Amen. A part of what's happening in the the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost when the, uh, the gospel is presented just one chapter later. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Who wants to quote that? 
Who wants to quote Acts chapter 2 and 38? Go ahead. Read it, well, say it one more time, loud and clear, so we can all hear. Then Peter said unto them, Repent, be baptized, each and every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the remission of your sins. You're messing me up. <laughs> I know it means then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. You would think the writer of Matthew 28, 19, at that point, when Peter's standing up and he's preaching the gospel, you would think that Matthew would say, Hold on, wait a minute, Brother Peter. You got it wrong. You didn't read my book. Go back to 28, 19. It's supposed to be Father, Son, Holy Ghost. But that did not happen. In fact, I believe, and I'm entitled to be my own opinion, and I'm also entitled to be wrong. But I believe that it could have been that Matthew probably said, Amen, Brother Peter. You know exactly what the Word of God says. Because he said, Repent and be baptized, everyone, even in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And he understood, and the people in that room understood when Matthew 28, 19, amen, was talking about baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. It's not referring to three gods. It's not referring to three persons in the Godhead, but it's referring to three different manifestations of God. What are those manifestations? He's Father in creation. He's Son in redemption. And he's Holy Ghost in regeneration. Amen. He is the Father in creation. Amen. He is the one that spoke the world into existence. Amen. He did it alone by himself. Amen. He's the son in redemption. Amen. In Jesus Christ, redeeming mankind and the Holy Ghost in regeneration, filling us with his spirit. Amen. That's amen. The manifestations of God, father in creation, son in redemption, Holy Ghost in regeneration. Amen. When we say uh, when people talk about Jesus as the Father, amen, or they say Jesus is, uh, some would tell you he's the second person in the Godhead. That's not true. Jesus is the Father. Jesus is the Father. John chapter 10 and 30 says, this is the words of Jesus. I and my Father are one. Amen. Make no mistake about it. Amen. It's one, one, one. Amen. There's one way to God. I and my Father are one. John chapter 14, 7 through 9. Amen. A, a, a conversation begins to come about in the disciples uh, as they are walking and talking with Jesus. Amen. And Jesus says, if ye had known me, ye should have known my father also. And from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. And the disciples are looking around and they're probably so confused. They're saying, if ye had known me, you would have known my father. Thinking, man, maybe I missed class on that day. Maybe I didn't take enough good notes when he was telling us about that probably some time ago. I just missed it. And the Bible says that Philip spoke up. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Amen. It will satisfy our craving, our desire to know more. Show us the Father. I don't know, perhaps Philip imagined in his mind that Jesus was going to 
make something come out of heaven. And he's going to say, here, that's the father. But Jesus saith unto him, have I been so long time with you? And yet thou hast not known me. Philip, he that hath seen me hath seen the father. And how sayest thou then, show us the father? Amen. Jesus is the father. Acts chapter 9 and verse number 5. And he said, this is talking about, this is a, uh, this is a story of Saul of Tarsus. Uh, I believe it's on the road to Damascus. Uh, and and he's, kick, he's kicking off the horse. And a bright light is shined about him. And God's beginning to reveal himself to Saul of Tarsus, who would later become the apostle Paul. Nine, Acts chapter 9 and 5. And he, and he said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord, Jehovah, amen, that is the interpretation of that word. Jehovah said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Jesus is the father. Jesus is God. It's all in him. Jesus is also the son for Matthew chapter 1. And verse 21 says, and she shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Amen. I'm going to get somewhere here in a few moments if you'll stay with me. Amen. Through some of these scriptures. Amen. But it is very important that we we dive into the word of God and we search the scriptures for the Bible says for in them you have eternal life. It's in the scriptures where there is eternal life when, it, when we can begin to apply and we can begin to interpret the scriptures. Amen. I, I want to not just give you the meat of the word of God, but I want to give it to you prepared. Amen. That you might be able to digest it tonight. You might be able to understand. Amen. What the word of God means for your life. And we're going to get there in a few moments. Amen. Jesus is the son for Matthew 1 and 21 says she shall bring forth the son. Amen. That's very simple to see. Amen. The thought, the understanding that Jesus is the son and also Jesus is the Holy Ghost for it's in John chapter 14 and verse 26. John chapter 14 and verse 26 says, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the father will send in my name, Jesus he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Amen. Jesus is God. Jesus is the Father. Jesus is the Son. And Jesus is the Holy Ghost. Amen. Another thought I'd like to bring before you today is about the Word made flesh. And that's found in the book of John chapter 1. And there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of good meat and good uh, material. A lot of revelation in the book of John chapter 1. And we'll jump in, in and out of that chapter for a minute. But John chapter 1 and verse number 14 says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This visible expression of God. Amen. The word made flesh. This visible expression of God is not a replica of God. 
But it is the actual objectification of himself. Perhaps you've been down the road a time or two, down the freeway to a car show, wherever, and you see a beautiful, a beautiful car. I'm thinking of one, I believe it's a a certain type of a Camaro. uh, And there's replicas of Camaros or of Corvettes that they look just like the real thing. But they're not the real thing. They're a replica. Amen. When we're talking about Jesus, we're not talking about a replica of God. But we're talking about the actual objectification of himself that is actually God in the flesh. For Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 9 says, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. For in him, in who? In Jesus. In Jesus dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Amen. It's as the old songwriter said, it's all in him. Amen. When you pray to Jesus, amen, you're praying to God himself. Amen. You don't have to split your time and your time of prayer. Amen. Praying for the first 15 minutes of prayer to the Father. And then you spend the next 15 minutes praying to the Son. And then you spend the next 15 minutes praying to the Holy Ghost. Amen. You pray to Jesus. You pray to God. You pray to the Father. You pray to the Son. You pray to the Holy Ghost. Because Jesus is the name of the Father. He's the name of the Son. It's the name of the Holy Ghost. And it's all in Him today. Amen. There's no confusion. Amen. On our part. Amen. We understand who we serve. We understand who God is. Amen. His name is Jesus. Amen. It's the word that is made flesh. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. Now I want us to pay special attention to John chapter one and three. All things were made by him and without him, not them. Without him, amen, was not anything made that was made. Amen. I'll read that again. All things were made by him, not them. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. Amen. That scripture is very clear. Amen. The worlds were framed by the word of God. Amen. All things were made by him. And we see that scripture. But in the course of talking to somebody else, perhaps about the oneness of God, they bring up Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. And I want us to go there briefly. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image. Oh, boy. And God said, let us make man in our image. It didn't say, and the gods said. It didn't say, God the Father. It said, God. There is one God. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air 
and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. What does it mean, though? It's a little, it can, at, at face value, can, it can appear confusing. Let us make man in our image. And we understand that scripture more clearly through Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 11. Maybe you want to write in the margin in that Genesis 1 and 26, Ephesians 1 and 11. Because it's Ephesians 1 and 11 that says, In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. The counsel of his own will. Amen. That gives us a clear understanding. Amen. It is the uh, the counsel of his own will that is being referred to in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. It's not referring to a plurality of gods sitting around a conference room table. Amen. Having a discussion that let us. Well, let's just go about and let's do this. Uh, but it, this is referring to the counsel of his own will. Amen. We just read John 1 and 1. It talks about all things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. And a further uh, verse in the the Bible is found in Isaiah chapter 44 and 24. Thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer and he that formed thee from the womb. I am the Lord that maketh all things. That stretcheth forth the heavens alone. That spreadeth abroad the earth by myself. God is saying in Isaiah, I did it by myself. I alone did it. Not three gods. Not three persons in the Godhead. But there's one God. And I understand that we are moving quickly through this today. Amen. Um, But I, I want us to go through the scriptures And I want us to understand just some of the basic stuff here tonight. Another uh, scripture that is oftentimes used. It's oftentimes used to throw. I know it has been used to throw me off as a young person. Amen. Try to get me to waver. Not really be sure of what I believe. But Mark chapter 16 and verse number 19 has been used a time or two. Amen. To throw a young apostolic person off course. Mark chapter 16 and 19. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven And sat on the right hand of God. Wow. I don't know if if in your mind you're picturing what I'm picturing. But as a kid I pictured, okay, here's God sitting in the throne. He's got his right hand up like this. Here comes baby Jesus sits on his hand. And that's two gods. But that's not what the scripture is saying. Another scripture that helps us to understand more clearly. and, And I'm not giving you all the scriptures, but just... Uh, One scripture that helps us to understand what that is referring to as the right hand of God is found in Luke chapter 22 and verse 69. Amen. Luke chapter 22 
and verse 69 says, Hereafter shall the Son of Man sit on the right hand of the power of God. The right hand of God is referring to the power of God. Not referring to uh, some physical hand of God, but it's referring to the right hand of power. Amen. And it's another question I had as a young person is, why does it have to be so seeming, why does it have to be so confusing sometimes? Why does it have to be so difficult to understand? Why is it that you have to search the scriptures? Why is it not just at face value? What's the reason for all of these different things? Um, and there's a scripture that is coming to my mind as far as uh, God has not revealed these unto uh, the wise, but unto babes. Those that just have a simple desire. I want to please God. I want to serve God. You, uh, In a few months, my wife will have a beautiful baby. It will probably be the most beautiful baby in the world. That's every parent thinks and believes. And rightfully so. And that baby will have some very simple desires. I just want some sustenance so I can get through this day. Very, very simple. And if I can just have some sustenance and if I can just have some sleep, I'll be okay. Very simple desires. There's no uh, trying to deceive and connive and, and cause mom and dad to fight against one another. It's just simple, pure desire. And when we approach the, the things of God with that simple, pure desire, I'm not looking for an outlet. I'm not looking for some justification for my lifestyle. I'm not looking for uh, someone to pat me on the back and tell me, it's, you, you're going to be okay. You just seek God the way you want to seek him. But if I really approach the things of God, I, God, I just want to know you. God, whatever your scripture has for me, God, I'll search the scriptures. God, I'm not looking for shortcuts. But God, I've got this desire in my soul. And God, it's a simple desire. It's a pure desire, God. God, my motives are pure tonight, God. I just want to find you, God. I want to seek you, Lord. And to the soul that seeks him is the soul that finds him. And God has, amen, left some things uh, covered, if you will, so that the one that's really genuine, genuinely hungry is the one that's going to find him. Amen. The one that approaches the things of God carelessly is not the one that's going to find God. Amen. But it's the one that is seeking him. It's the one that is earnestly going after the things of God. Amen. It's going to find God. It's the one that comes to a Saturday night prayer and says, God, I want to find you, God. I'm not looking for an excuse to get out of Monday night prayer or Sunday morning worship, God. But God, I just got a simple desire within me. God, I want to find you. And God has revealed certain things to those that have the genuine desire, to those that are seeking, to those amen, that have an honest desire and hunger in their heart, that say, I want to please God. I want to serve God. Hallelujah. If you're looking for a shortcut, amen, you're not going to find truth today. But if you're looking for the real thing, if you're looking, if you're desiring more of God, amen, God's got some understandings. God's got some revelations. And God's going to help somebody, amen, to make sense of the scriptures. Hallelujah. Amen. And I'm, I believe it or not, I'm wrapping up. I'm not going to spend a, a lot of time, amen. We're going to continue to dive into the word of God. More and more. But I want to finish with this thought. The thought that the God of the universe could condense his visible image to the size of a single cell 
is staggering. But this conclusion is inescapable. Saying that Mary took no part in the forming of the infant Jesus makes her a mere incubator. Just uh, a simple means uh, of getting somewhere else, a simple vehicle. But that's not the way that God views humanity. Amen. God views humanity as a vessel and God wants to take part in our lives. God wants to engage in our lives. God wants to be a part of our lives. And, and Mary was not just an incubator. Amen. Mary was not just an incubator. And to say that, it does a great injustice to the word of God. But the explanation that both natures, amen, divinity and humanity, were actively at work in Jesus Christ. The explanation that both natures were united to one being is the only possible way that Jesus could take on the seed of David. Be the offspring of David. Amen. Uh, thus humanity, the humanity of Christ was not just a shell, but was also the word made flesh. The reason, amen, that I'm talking about this tonight is I want to explain, I want to reveal some things to you, amen, that are in the scriptures, amen. God wants to be actively involved in our lives, amen. God is not some detached being in some far off distant place, amen, but the God of the universe wants to move in your life and wants to move in my life. And as long as we view God as some detached, amen, uh, some displaced, some disconnected God. Amen. It's all these different mis- disconnected pieces. Amen. Our lives are not going to have the right meaning, the right understanding. But when we understand that God was made flesh. Amen. God got at work. Amen. God got to work in man's life. Amen. God took on the form of a servant. Amen. The Bible says that he was in all points tempted like as we are. Amen. We can't believe that scripture unless we believe that Jesus is God. Amen. And when you believe that Jesus is God, you understand, amen, that as a man, he wept, he hungered, he thirsted, he slept, and he was weary. Amen. Amen. There's all these different things that God experienced. And so my application to us today is that Jesus has experienced the same things that you have experienced that you're going through in this current day. In 2017, the things that you and I are facing, God has walked in your shoes time and time again. Amen. God, amen. He knows exactly the things that you're feeling. He knows exactly what you're going through. Amen. God's walked, amen, a mile in your shoes, a mile or two. Amen. Jesus is God. And because he's God, amen, he knows exactly the things that you and I have encountered. And he wants to bridge that gap. Amen. He wants to bridge that chasm that is uh, that has that was came that came into existence through the fall of humanity in the Garden of Eden. Amen. It's in Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 says, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. Amen. I've held on to that scripture a time or two in my walk with God. Amen. Sister Dee, I'm going to hold fast the profession of my faith. Brother Tim, I'm going to hold fast the profession of my faith. When the enemy comes in, amen, and tries to tempt me and tries to throw me off course, I'm holding fast to the profession of my faith because Jesus overcame this world. I can overcome this world because I got Jesus. I got God in my heart. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Amen. Yet without sin. Amen. Because he overcame, Brother Noah, I can overcome. Amen. Because he overcame, amen, the, the gall of bitterness, I can overcome bitterness in my life. Because he overcame the backstabbing antics of Judas Iscariot, I can overcome somebody that stabs me in the back. Amen. Because he overcame, amen, I can overcome. Because he was light upon and yet still victorious when I got God. Jesus, when I got the comfort in my heart, amen, I got the same ability to forgive and to walk away from those that would try to destroy me. And I can pray for them and I can be what God wants me to be because I recognize, amen, that some 2,000 years ago he walked the same road that I'm on today. He walked the same road. Amen. God did not send, amen, his uh, he did not send some, a different person. God did not send a different person to take your place. Amen. That would be like my father saying, son, or it would be like my, my, my father telling one of my nephews, uh, I love you so much that I'm going to send my son. He's going to come and help you. If you had a grandpa that happened, you think, well, oh, grandpa, geez, you really love me. Why would you send somebody else? But God enrobed himself in flesh. He took on the form of a servant. I care for you. I'm going to come to where you are. I'm going to take upon my back your sins. I'm going to bear them on my shoulders. And I'm going to take your place. I'm going to mix. Amen. I'm going to mix myself with humanity. As a man, he wept, hungered, thirsted, slept and was weary. Thus, the human nature could commune with the divine nature as well as any other man. And if it could not, Jesus would not have been a complete man and thus could not have redeemed us. The importance of Jesus as God is he has to be God if he's going to be able to redeem us. And because he is God, we have redemption because he bore my sins on his back with the stripes Amen. I was healed with all of those things that took place on Calvary. Amen. That wasn't the second person of a triune God, but that was God himself. Amen. Taking my sins upon his back. Amen. Because that was God himself. God manifests in the flesh. Amen. God. Amen. Now he could redeem me and, he, and I could be reconciled. Amen. The overwhelming majority of times in which Christ addressed the father. It is the humanity of Christ. Addressing deity. And that's something that, if, uh, that will help you in your understanding of the mighty God in Christ. Is the majority of times in which Christ addressed the Father. It is the humanity of Christ addressing deity. Amen. But because Jesus is God. Amen. There is Hope there is salvation for my life and for your life. Amen. If he, if he wasn't God, he was just some detached second person of some triune God. Amen. It wouldn't have the impact. But he is God. And he took my place on Calvary.
And also I can know that uh, because Jesus was God, he walked in my shoes. He knows what I'm going through. He knows what you're going through. He knows all the different disappointments you face. You think, well, nobody's experienced the things that I've experienced. Amen. God doesn't know what I'm going through. He doesn't know what, what it's like in my world. He doesn't know what it's like in my home. Amen. He was at all points tempted like as we are. God could have, amen, he could have uh, foregone the plan to go to Calvary and die on a cross because of bitterness. But instead of being bitter towards Judas, instead, instead of being bitter, amen, towards those Pharisees that continually lied and, and schemed against him, amen, he loved them, amen, and he prayed for them. And in spite of and all the different things that Christ endured and went through on the cross, amen, God still loved humanity because he can overcome. I can overcome. He's God. And I'm thankful that the one I'm serving is not just some inspirational teacher, not just some inspirational speaker, not just somebody who had a few nice things to say, a few words of wisdom, a few cute tweets, if you will. But his words are words of life. Amen. If we could stand to our feet, amen, we're going to close in prayer. Amen. There's, there's much more.